Hey team, Mickey here. Another bonus episode uh, of Wikipedia. And this is another catch up with my mate, Mick Rob, Rob Dallymore. And we talk about his predictions for the women's race. We have a couple of questions that have come in based on the wearables conversation that Rob and I had earlier this week in and around what you can trust your watch to tell you. We also do a little bit of a dive into heat exertion and acclimation. And so we obviously talked about that last time as well, but I throw a few nuggets in there that I've got from the conference. And uh, and then we also just generally talk about, you know, the decision for the race to be over two days as opposed to one, the general feel around Kona, what's good, what's not so good. Uh, Rob is a veteran. He's been here multiple times, either racing, supporting his wife, Kelly, or uh, a general enthusiast, plus also, of course, a coach. And he is um, a coach to Beck Clark, who is New Zealand's hope in the Thursday women's race. And so we talk about her chances and her strengths um, going into Thursday's race. So... Those of you who are interested in triathlon, interested in endurance sport and interested to know sort of what it's like being here in Kona on a week like this, I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. You can see me and we are all good. Uh, Mick Rob, great to have your company again. So can I... Thanks for having me back. Oh, I love it. And actually, I've got a couple of questions for you based on our last conversation. So the first one is, and it's a bit of a technical, it's probably pretty easy, but a bit of a technical one. So we talked about mm. the utility of heart rate on your wrist watch and that it's not necessarily uh, a, the best indicator of your actual heart rate. Great. And so does this mean, Rob, that any of the stress measurements that my watch tells me, my productivity state, uh, things like that, does that mean, does that automatically sort of discount it? So when Garmin tells me I'm unproductive, I don't actually have to take notice of that. Is that right? Yeah, I I, I think those um, measures and tips and things are okay for people who are at that recreational level of, level of ex- exercise. Yeah. But I think for a competitive athlete like yourself, I, I don't think it's particularly useful. And in fact, I think the um, I think there's, uh, I mean, we joke, we'll jokes aside, you finish a 30k run, the watch tells you you're unproductive. Yeah. Which is quite funny. Yeah. But I actually think it can be quite dangerous to, to the wrong sort of athlete who looks at that and goes, well, maybe I'm an unproductive. Maybe I need to go and do more at my next run session. So yes. I think you have to be quite careful with that information. Um, so I'm, I'm every anytime someone sends me a screenshot of of their Garmin data telling them something, I just say to them, it's just not accurate. We just can't we can't rely on that. Okay. Um, until unless you can get a laboratory measurement of some of these measures, I think it's just a nice number to look at, and um, but not something you should you should um, manage your training by. Okay, that's actually, that's great advice, actually, because one of the one that, so obviously the unproductive, you're, you're unproductive or you're maintaining, you know, when you do an awesome run like I did this morning, and apparently I'm still just maintaining, um, uh, is the other mm. one is when you're sort of about three or four minutes into the run, and then it gives you a rating of either minus 
anything from you know minus six to plus eight, and that's again going to yeah. tell you what type of session you're going to have, and that could really like uh, play with someone's psychology you, because you sort of mm. most of not most of training, but when you're at a certain fitness level, so much of it is what's going on in your head as to the type of session you're then going to have. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, like, I guess, I, I don't know how the algorithm works, but I think the measurement must, it has to be calculated off your age, body weight, a few other things for them to determine what your VO2 max might yeah. be. And then from there, it's probably determining a percentage of activity at a certain percentage of your VO2 max, which we know isn't particularly accurate anyway. Yeah. And therefore, that productivity value um, is is not accurate either. And it's that thing I said the other day, there's, there's one thing worse than no information is the wrong information. Yeah. So I think that's the case with some of those devices. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's cool. That's really great because those were just a couple of questions that came in from people. And I'm like, actually, that's a, mm. that's something that we didn't cover. So that's great to just have that mm. um, uh, sort of cleared up. So, Rob, we are a few days in Tacona. How are you finding it? It's, I tell you what, we we're in obviously we we're in Honolulu for a few days. It wasn't too bad there, but in Kona, it's so much more humid, so much hotter. Yes, you notice it. I don't know hey, if you found that. Totally do. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's 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 it's. I mean, the conditions. It's it's brought back to me how how important it is to be acclimatized to these conditions for those that are racing. Yeah, you can't just turn up here and think, oh, I'll just wing it. Yeah, you just can't wing it in this race. Yeah. Is it the humidity um, and as we've well, seen eh? the same that yeah yeah because i mean it's so humid the sweat doesn't evaporate off your skin so all it does is just sits yeah. there and you just you just end up being this ball of sweat and like we're just walking around the shops just just a, 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 a just a massive moisture yeah. it's terrible <laughs> it's a massive moisture do you know interesting so i was going to have a big debrief with uh grant on the conference but grant is um keeps um uh, bunking off, so that didn't happen. We we in fact yeah. did have a good conversation about Matt Kerr, though. So so that would be that'll be a great one if if people haven't tuned nice. into that one. Um, but one of the things that they did talk about was um acc- uh, acclimatizing to the heat and heat stroke and heat exertion. And despite what we've talked about with regards to sunscreen, do you know that the evidence actually isn't solid? that sunscreen prohibits your ability to sweat, um, which I found super interesting. Well, that is interesting. But surely it must be different types of sunscreens have different effects because some of them just seem really oily and you just see it sort of come to the surface of their skin and it just sits yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I know I know quite a few professional cyclists, yep. not personally, but I know of professional cyclists who don't use sunscreen at all. Um, and I don't know whether it's the old roadies um, mentality of oh, I don't want to include include my sweat yeah. or what it is, but some of them don't use sunscreen at all, which is really surprising for the amount of time they spend in the sun yeah. and some of those grand tours. Yeah, it's interesting actually. So they were discussing just obviously different uh, sort of skin types and genetics that make you more predisposed to burning and the oxidative damage that can occur just from having too much sun on the um on the skin but um but mm. one of the things which they found to be sort of protective <coughs> against both the oxidative stress and then 
the um, both the oxidative stress and also helps protect the skin more is actually taking folate in addition to putting on sunscreen, which I know sounds a bit strange, but so you either well, do vitamin C or folate, and that helps reduce oxidative stress, helps protect the skin, and also just helps from particularly mm. for athletes who are out there for as long as these athletes will be in their training and, and things like that. So that's one thing that they have done a bit yeah. of research on, which I found really interesting. I guess it, I guess it's, um, you know, if you, if you look after your internal organs and the skin's an, and the skin is an organ of the body, yeah. if you look after your organs and, and take away the, the most amount of stress possible for the organs to operate at their best, then it, um, it sets the body up for dealing with the, with the heat and the burning effects as well so when you put something so you help it from the inside as well as helping it from the outside yeah yeah and it makes sense right but it's just you just don't think about that um when you're thinking about the utility of things like sunscreen and why people do or don't use it and how helpful it is and and all the rest of it yeah it's it's been interesting today or the last couple of days watching people <coughs> training along uh LE drive particularly running um a lot of people running out in the heat of the day in the middle of the day and i i mean i think that's it's important to know the conditions you're going to be training in um and to know how your body's going to react to yeah. it but it's it's so stressful on the body to be working out at those times of the yeah. day that um it's almost like we're in race week now's the time to start protecting the body and doing your training early in the morning when it's not as yeah. hot and just avoiding the sun as much as you can because those that are out in the middle of the day in the heat of the day sort of belting themselves along the lead drive trying to get those last key miles yeah. in you just think are you actually doing yourself any good is this, is this going to damage the whole picture yeah, interesting that's so tough call yeah totally and another thing that they're not that clear on are cooling strategies that are actually that helpful to the body because of course and you and i had a good discussion about the core temperature um uh uh, wearable that people can use to sort of assess core temperature, but the you know the question came up as to mm. you know where you actually cool an athlete on their body to help cool them down um, much more quickly than you would otherwise, because of course the talk was on heat stroke, and uh, one of the points raised was that there are some places where people immediately think they need to um, sort of put ice or put like something cool on the athlete. And I think in the groin was one that comes up quite a bit. Uh, and yeah, oh, and I've heard yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the carotid sort of arteries and, and stuff like that sort of. Um, but the advice given was not to do that because it almost confuses the brain in terms of what the brain then mm. needs to do in terms of uh, – uh, because if the brain gets this idea that the body is cooling down before the body has cooled down, then it'll stop its own thermoregulatory systems. So, yeah. Mm, interesting. So I suppose uh, one of the sort of take-homes from from that is, well, not only be mindful of where you sort of put the sort of cooling strategy and, and where to put uh, different, like, ice and and cool uh, towels and things like that would well, actually not to sort of be in a position where you are at risk of heat stroke uh, in the first place, yeah. I guess. So I spoke to the core guys today, actually, yes. and um, I, I mentioned that we'd spoken about their product in the previous podcast. Yeah. 
and so they were going to listen to that. But um, one of the things I said to them is, you know, I've been using the core in um, my Zwift racing, which is the indoor cycle racing that yes. I do. And um, and I said, you know, I've got I've got two fans as my cooling strategy, and I, I use packs, um, put them down my shirt, down the back of my shirt to help with cooling. And they actually said that the ice pack isn't as effective because it it's effectively warming itself up as as you, as it's yeah, melting. So the ice is getting warmer and warmer and yeah. warmer from your body. They said the most effective thing is getting a cold towel yeah. and draping that cold towel over your sh- yeah. shoulders until until you need to replace it, putting another cold towel straight on, keeping that over your shoulders. And so just constantly putting a, a cold towel on while you're doing those indoor Zwift races yeah. is the most effective way to, to um, keep your body cool. So I'm going to be doing that in my next yeah. race. Let me try that, that, that method Yeah, out. that's nice, Rob. And actually, I've got my notes here. And, and so some of the recommendations are pretty much in line w- with what you've just described because they were talking about just having that constant cool, which is, I think, what you're talking about as well. So um, they first yeah. and foremost, they said, if you can do an ice bath, do that. Uh, then do fanning and shade, which is pretty much having that cool um, sort of circulating air or what you describe with the towel, you know, being like replaced, being like sort of um, layered on the body. Um, and then go to ice mm. pack on arteries or something like that. But something else that they actually mentioned was um, – to that was one thing was people there are people who might be more at risk of heat uh heat stroke or this kind of therm mm-hmm. uh, sort of thermoregulatory sort of uh disorder and people who have gut related issues might be more at risk of um sort of heat stroke in uh temperatures of over 40 degrees celsius although there are some athletes who obviously can tolerate that um and yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting, eh? And they talk about how having things like glutamine um, and 0.3 to 0.9 grams of glutamine per kg body weight. Because uh, glutamate, with glutamine, it's mm-hmm. an amino acid, and there are amino acid transporters in the gut that transport fluid to where it's required. So obviously you have to be well hydrated and, you know, hydrating effectively, but taking glutamine in addition, which is actually a well-known amino acid used in gut-related sort of disorders, but specifically for ensuring sort of uh, uh, effective rehydration, um, that can be really helpful. Other things can be uh, creatine, arginine, probiotics, um, and I found all of that stuff uh, super interesting with regards to um, helping with um, avoid heat stroke anyway. Yeah, I, it's interesting you talk about people that have um, GI distress regularly are affected more by the heat. Is that what you're yeah, basically saying? Yeah, they could be more at risk. Yeah. Because I, I, I very rarely have, I've got a cast iron gut i can just i can eat and drink anything and i just never seem to have any problems touch wood i'll probably have problems <laughs> but i've always been really good in the heat i've never really found i've never really found the heat's affected yeah. me too much and i but i have quite good gut health yes. and i wonder if, if yeah it's interesting you say that because that kind of does make sense yeah, now i guess yeah so it's um yeah so and i guess it take home for people who are out there sort of listening to this because obviously yes we're in kona and i know that right now new zealand's in a polar blast but um Things are going to warm up. We are going to get into summer. <laughs> oh, I know, so do I. It sucks. But, um, you know, we it will be hot again. And 
And particularly if you're thinking about maybe not December, but you might you've got the Port of Tauranga races um, in January, and of course you've got March Ironman, and then you've got the Australian races where they all are, you know, pretty um, uh, hot weather conditions, or they can be. So I think. I think if you mm. are someone who really struggles with heat exertion, obviously uh, doing those uh, tactics that we discussed in terms of getting acclimatised to the heat we discussed last time, super important, but having a look at your gut health, having a think about um, these other sort of nutritional strategies, which of course anyone can just contact me and I can um, give you a bit more details on it, but that um, these things could be really helpful. So you reckon when someone goes into a heat training block specifically before a hot race, yeah. that employing those strategies would be worth doing. Yep. Um, to help 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 acclimatize and you know let let the body deal with that much more, reduce the stress that much more. I think from a um an, an ability to I think that ability to rehydrate so that glutamate I think that's really important and it does of course have that double whammy yeah. of helping with the gut, but also those um the probiotics for the gut. Um, arginine is also involved in um, in uh, sort of gut function and, of course, creatine. And, and I know that uh, mm. although you and I haven't discussed creatine before, I've spoken about it quite a few times. So for sure, no, nothing to lose. For sure, love it, yeah. love it. Yeah, awesome. So, Rob, um, your thoughts on the expo? Because you know, usually it's such a good vibe down there. There's heaps of things to look at, lots of like free stuff to take away. Which, of course, I think it's in our DNA that we just <laughs> love that stuff. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, anything interesting that you came across? Well, it, we walked through together. Mickey, and we've been here in the previous years, and I, I just got to say, it just didn't have the same size. It didn't, it didn't feel the same. It, it, yeah. it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't as full. There wasn't as much hype. There was, I mean, yeah, we like freebies, and but we don't expect freebies. But there weren't so many cool things you could go to a booth and take away. And you know, it, there wasn't something that really jumped out at us and said, "Well, that was cool." I mean, there were the, there was always there's always good brands there. It's always awesome seeing the the flash stuff that's coming out and talking to the experts from those companies talk about the product. But you know, in previous years, there's been a real buzz around it, and it just you got the feeling that people were just there because they had to be there. And yeah. um, I'm, I'm, it was it was upsetting. It was upsetting to see that because it was it's always been part of this event is is the is the pre race expo. Yeah. Just, yeah, I don't know. Do you think that it's the fact that the race is actually over two days and is there a bit of a dilution in terms of who's in town or have people been sort of scared off from the fact that it was very difficult to find accommodation and any accommodation that was sort of exorbitant fees? Like, like what's what's your sort of thoughts on that, Rob, and after sort of talking to, to people about it? Yeah, um, I think I think you're right. You know, with the race being spread over two days, a lot of the people that are um, perhaps in the in the mainland USA maybe won't come until Thursday, so uh, yeah. or, or at least at least Wednesday today, um, and so maybe they weren't getting down to the expo today because they were travelling in because their race was on Saturday, um, and so with the people that are racing on Thursday, they're already here, they're already in town, they're already already doing the thing. But those people that are racing on Saturday, perhaps the majority of them are still arriving, still yet to arrive. So we probably yeah. will see these lower numbers may continue, but um, it may be um, just 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 the sign of the, the way it is at the moment that people are travelling in at their own time, trying to reduce the cost. Like you say, accommodation is expensive. 
yeah. trying to minimise that a little bit. But um, yeah. I think the numbers, the athlete numbers are still as high yeah. and people are still coming down to the expo because it, cause you sort of have to. It's all, it's, it's all there in front of you. But it just feels, it doesn't feel as busy and hectic as previous years. Yeah. Which I'm not saying is a bad thing. Don't take it as a bad thing. I'm yeah. loving the vibe. I'm loving the chilled out, relaxed vibe. And it actually feels less Kona scary. You know, it's not quite as yes. intense in, in your face as it has been in previous years, which is cool, which is yeah. cool. Yeah, and I suppose the the change in the feel is going to suit some people more than others maybe. You know, there are people who really thrive on the tension yeah. and that sort of stress that comes with being part of, you know, the week that is Kona because it really is. Like you've got – typically you've got a lot of the brand parties are going on. You've got the – the Babbitt breakfasts, you've got the um, the sort of mm. welcome breakfast for uh, people who are new to Kona, and then, of course, you've got the Carbo Load Party and, and all the rest of it. Um, but, yeah, there are yeah. elements that are missing, I think. Yeah, I went to the Australian New Zealand breakfast today, and uh, there were as many Kiwis as there had been in previous years. Yeah, cool. So... So we're still traveling to the race. We've still like the, the the communities that we interact closely with are still there. There's still you know that same feel. <clears throat> you know it's a big holiday for the Kiwis and the Aussies. We get away in in our winter, and it's just a cool place to get to. Yeah. Um. So we're we're really feeling it, but I haven't seen as much European type athletes around. Like we we used to see screeds and screeds of French and German athletes and that, and I just and Spanish, and I just haven't seen mm. as many. European-based athletes come over, and I wonder if that is part of the the climb. You know, the, the the current economic situation at the moment. Maybe people are avoiding traveling US just for the expense, and um, maybe that's it. Because it is very much in there's a lot of Asian athletes as always. Yeah. Very much American dominant. Still a lot of Kiwis. Still a lot of Aussies. Not many Brits. I haven't seen too many Brits. Yes. And I haven't seen many main mainland Europeans. So I don't know. Not sure. That was just something that I thought of earlier. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting, Rob. And I suppose it'll just we'll just have to see how town does or doesn't fill up over the next couple of days. Yeah. And oh, one yeah. thing I have noticed, um, and we talked what we we talked about earlier was how how cool the town's looking. Like they've really. They've done up a lot of buildings and um and there's a lot more new places around. We you know, we went to a bar just up Polani Road and there was a whole new sort of industrial yes. area, a bit more um a, a bit more of a um that industrial feel for um eating establishments and it was really cool. The place is looking awesome. It's a it's a really, really cool buzz around town. So, you know, the athletes that are here are making the most of it in the town. I, I think the town's welcoming it. Like it it's not as it's not the atmosphere that uh, we were preparing ourselves for, whether it's the town versus yeah. the athletes. I think there's actually quite a lot of cool vibes. You know, it's it's maybe what we were hearing was a little bit of a hype and a little bit of, um, you know, uh, try, trying to drum up some stories. It's not like that right now. It's it's yeah. just really cool. It's yeah, a good no, atmosphere. I totally appreciate that because, of course, you know, when you walk past the typical sort of restaurants and stuff, they're still heaving you know there's and where we were tonight and they yeah, yeah it was it was packed but it was also you're right like a really nice vibe so it wasn't like it was packed and you had to wait 50 minutes for a meal it was like there were mm. loads of people around you and you're all sort of enjoying it yeah i definitely haven't felt any any hatred to the athletes or, or animosity and frustration from the from the locals so that's cool 
yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that is great. Yeah. Hey, um, Rob, so let's turn our attention to Thursday's race. Mm. And can you give me a little bit of insight into what your predictions are for how it's going to go down? And obviously, you know, um, anything can happen on race day as as it always could. But I'd love to hear just sort of your take on how you think things are going to pan out. Yeah, it's, oh man, I'm so excited for this race. I, I think this women's race is going to be one of the toughest women's fields to pick. Um, yep. It's 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 got everything in it. And I don't think there's really anyone not here who we would expect to be a main contender, apart from um, Kat Matthews with her unfortunate yeah, okay. accident. She's probably the only one who could have really threatened for the top that isn't here. Yeah. So, but I, but in saying that, I think it's just going to be the Daniela Reef show. I, I just she is just so strong. You know, she she didn't she hasn't raced for a while, so we know that when she doesn't race, she's training hard. Um, yeah, she's she she won the seventy point three worlds and uh, sorry the the Ironman worlds in um, St George. So she's yeah. um, she's she's hungry for. She was pumped up when she won that race um, to prove to everybody that she she hasn't she's not done. I just see the yeah. same thing happening here. She's just so strong. So um, yeah, Reef, and then but behind her, I think it's going to be a really interesting race. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Lucy Charles Barclay can do. Um, obviously, she's yes. had these this pretty serious injury. She's a real confidence athlete. She's had two really good races, but two races that pushed her pretty hard physically. And yeah. um, is it one race too many? Um, I, I just, I, I'm really nervous about the fitness that she may or may not have for what the Ironman's going to require. Um, yeah. but in saying that she's, she's the sort of athlete that just can make these amazing performances and just blow us away with, with what she can do. Yeah. Um, and how, I mean, anyone who can run low two fifties and, and we saw how well she swam and biked at Challenge Roth this year. Um, she's yeah. always going to be a threat and obviously a former winner as well. Um, and um, and then outside of those sort of three main contenders, I think we've always got to look at Laura Phillips. She's one of the fastest, she's got one of the fastest Ironman times in the world at the moment. Yeah. And um, oh, someone else who I always look at and I never consider as a favourite, but I will put her as a favourite now, is Sarah Crowley. She's been on okay. the podium a few times now. Um, she's a real tough athlete, eh? Like she will take it to the to the wall and take anyone with her and punch them in the head until they pass out. She's a real <laughs> battler. So, <laughs> so I think I think Sarah Crowley will be um, will be someone we see come through at the end of the run um, with just this just this dogged attitude to just get this bloody thing finished. So it's gonna be it's yeah, gonna amazing. be awesome to see how that plays out. Yeah. What do you reckon? And, um, well. See, I Daniela Reef is is the one that immediately sort of springs to mind, and just you know, you, I mean, you're obviously the expert in this stuff, and I just sort of hang around the fringes and and uh, find these things out after the fact. But you know, I've seen her race here before, obviously, and 2019 that was the last year we were here, eh? Um, yeah. And of course, I was like gunning for Lucy Charles um, that year and of course earlier this year I was super disappointed to see her injury but um, obviously she's back on the start line so I think that's going to be super interesting just to see how she handles it mm. like I don't know like it's I mean it's certainly not an easy 
it's not an easy sort of um, not necessarily a comeback race because I know that she's raced, but uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I think it'll be testing, right? And yeah. look, of, like uh, I'm, you haven't mentioned her, but obviously I'm going to mention her. But Beck Clark from New Zealand. <laughs> You know, like I just am so excited to see what she can do out here this year because I've just been following her on Instagram and she has just been gaining strength. And hey, look, um, I think that she's just, she seems to have a real confident sort of solid head on mm. her and and I'm just really keen to see uh, how she goes on the day as well. Yeah, I agree. And and this having her in the race adds this dynamic, which I think we wouldn't have seen in the women's race for a long time. And the, and that is that we've got probably one of the strongest swim fields of of the women's race that we've seen before. Yeah. So so yep. the thing is, Dan, Daniela Reef and Anne Haug aren't the strongest swimmers, but what we do yep. have is Lucy Bar- Lucy Charles Barclay, um, Lisa Norden, um, Sarah True, Rebecca Clark, Haley Chura, Lauren Brandon. Um, yeah. they're some of the fastest swimmers ever in Ironman. And so with yeah. those four, five, maybe six athletes who will be wanting to split that field quickly, will be going at it yeah. all guns blazing. You might get a you might get a pack of four or five women coming out of the water with a pretty yeah, good lead over the main pack. So I think having those super swimmers in the field is just is gonna add a new element to this race that we haven't seen before. And it's gonna be a bit yeah, more cool. like the men's race has often played out where you get these super quick swimmers and sets the yeah. day out from there. So so Daniela's gonna have a race on her hands if she wants to win this, but she is a question who can win this because she she just sets about her job and just just works away at them. But that's what's that's why I'm stoked to see Rebecca's in such good shape because she she brings the firepower of one of the fastest Ironman swimmers in the sport to to an already fast um, leaders pack. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be cool. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And then what, does she just have to sort of keep her head on the bike and um, and then give it all on the run? Is that her race strategy? I know you probably can't tell all. No, no, no. Year, um, no but... Yeah, no, I've, I've said to her just, I mean, in this, in this, she, this is her rookie year at this race, so really there's, there's no expectations for her. So yeah. you know, obviously, don't be a don't be a sponge and just sit on the back and just do nothing. But like she she shouldn't find herself in a position where she's having to make key moves in the race. Yeah, because you know there are other people around her that are far more experienced and have a much bigger um, palmares than her. So so just let them do the work, and she just has to be around, follow, make smart decisions, feel, get ready for that run, and then just. What it matters most at the last ten k yeah. of the run, um, so yeah, I'm I'm happy for it just to get in that pack, be be near the front, not be off the front, and just do what she has to do to stay yeah, there. Amazing, um, and I think that she she will do that. She's done that at um she's done that at PTO, so um she'll carry on. The other one I think we need to watch out for is um one of Dan Plews's athletes is Chelsea Sodaro. Oh yes, she's, she's one of the quickest runners as well. Yeah, she yeah. Be smoking on that run so uh, she she ran really well um early in the year so i'm hoping to see her come through with another quick run as well so um yeah it, she's 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 going to be a real late mover but will be awesome to see and what do you reckon rob about the fact that the race is split into two days i mean obviously we've just talked about the sort of change in vibe how do you think it's going to impact us you know, the spectators and and stuff do you think it's going to put obviously it puts more of an emphasis i think on 
um, both races because you've only got one sort of thing to focus on on the day, uh, obviously notwithstanding the age group men that are also sort of racing. But do you think this is mm. a good thing to have it split or or do you think it's a wait and see? No, I I think they did it wrong and I'll probably be proven wrong because it probably turned out to be amazing. But I actually yeah. think they should have had the men's and women's race both on Saturday, pro-men, pro yes. pro-women race on Saturday, because I love seeing um, – they, you know, they, that would allow them to get equal amount of exposure, um, yeah. because just because they're having their own race on this Thursday doesn't necessarily mean the women are going to get more media exposure. Because a lot of those main media outlets are really only going to have the budget to bring people in for one day, and that'll be yeah. post, most likely to be the Saturday race, which it has been in the past. So oh, yeah. I think we're not, we might not see as much exposure in the mainstream media as we have in in previous years and I think yeah. it takes away that whole hype and vibe cool atmosphere of seeing the men's and women's pro race going on at the same time um, yeah. and because I mean the age groupers don't need to necessarily race when the pros are racing there's no big there's nothing about that so get the age groupers racing on Thursday give them yeah. the chance to get their day out of the way and they'll be hanging around for Saturday to watch the pros go at it and then there'll be a few more age groupers who could have raced on Saturday as well just to fill up the, the space behind them. But, yeah, I, I think the way they've done it is possibly not as good, but obviously the smarter brains than me have made that decision, so we'll see how it plays yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, interesting, Rob. And uh, so finally, anything else that you want to add or any other th further thoughts on anything Kona-related? Yeah, I'm looking forward to um, our next meetup because um, I would have gone to a talk listening to um, let me get his name right, Olaf Alexander Boo, who is Christian Blumenfeld's coach. And then he will be talking Amazing. about the use of data and technology, wearable technology and training. So um, that's, I thought it was tonight. I got it wrong. It's tomorrow night. So I'm going to go along <laughs> to that. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll have my note paper out and I'll be uh, taking down notes for that one because I reckon that's going to be fascinating to listen to that. So I'm looking forward to our next chat and I can we can go deep into the into the weeds on that one. Yeah, no, that sounds awesome, Rob. I would absolutely love it. And because it's always so great to um, hear how those at the at the pointy edge, and I'm not suggesting you're not at the pointy edge, but, you know, how these guys <laughs> actually go about using it for for the elite elite in the sport, yeah. right? Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Top of the game. I think that's interesting, particularly because, of course, Christian Blumenfeld did like a 30K run or something on the Monday, like yeah. five days out from a race. Like, that's crazy. Yet yeah. there must be some sort of like, you know, um, there must be some reason for that kind of training. And I suppose the proof will be on Saturday, but it'll be really interesting to hear what the coach sort of, how the coach talks about it uh, tomorrow night. I know. And oh, so a little bit on him. So I had a good look at his um, tri-suit. So the, yeah. at the Trimtex um, display at the expo. Yeah. Um, Wow, there's some technology gone to that thing. It was it was pretty incredible. So so a couple of details. There's some um some little knobs which are on the shoulders which create some distortion for airflow over the shoulders as it hits them hits the wind. Oh, wow. There's um some uh, ribbed material along the sleeve which aids in um transferring disturbed air as it passes over the body. And yeah. it's also the suit's also made of a similar material to what a swim skin is made of. So um oh. it means that most of the athletes that wear that sort of suit won't wear a swim skin because the, yeah. the, the suit they're wearing has actually got the similar properties and that will save them a bit of time in transition as well. So 
So it's a pretty, pretty high-tech suit. Like, I didn't ask the price because it would be moonbeams worth, but yeah, yeah. uh, it was pretty cool to see that thing up close. Yeah, and this, you know, the science that those guys bring to the sport, yeah, love them or hate them, what they bring to the sport is just, just this next level of um, professionalism and expertise and the whole way they go about things. So um, Yeah, amazing. It's cool to see. Like, it's so cool to see. Like, we're in such a great time of sport. Um, yeah. You know, everyone in the sports personality right now, and uh, I can't wait to watch these races unfold. And you know, we're we're going to be standing along a Lee Drive, and you just take for granted that it, that we're there. But it is the most famous stretch of road in triathlon, and yeah. um, you know, just seeing these people go to battle on this yeah. section of road is just such a cool thing to be able to witness. And for the age groupers that are here, they'll it's a real special experience for them as well. So, um, I always reckon that if you get a chance to come and watch it. It's just as exciting to watch it as it is to race. So, um, yeah, I'm looking, really looking forward to recapping how the women's race goes and, uh, you know, just just seeing this this race unfold. Uh, it's yeah. going to be fantastic. Awesome, Rob. And look, you know me. I am a, I'm no longer a wannabe triathlete because I got over that. But I'm a wannabe, wannabe triathlete. Like, I just love being around the sport. Oh. And um, just be, and particularly this yeah. week, like this is, this is the best week. So, um I'm super stoked to be here as well. Um, one final question: yeah. that suit that you just mentioned, um, is that one that he has worn quite a bit, or is this the the suit that he'll be wearing on Saturday and is yet to wear? Like, what's the sort of it's, timeline? I believe it's constantly evolving. So each time okay. we see him race, there's a there's a new addition to it, and they just get yeah. better and better and better. So um, it's it's a bit different to the one that he wore in. Um, in the Ironman Worlds uh, in yeah. St George um, yeah. but yeah it's just getting better and better and better That is not unlike Maxwell Smart is it? I know yeah exactly Yeah he was they always upgraded the, te- the technology on that one Cool Rob well hey um, thanks so much exactly. for your time I'll, I'll let you get back to um, sort of uh, healing your wound Uh, enjoying your IPA, (laughs) whatever it is that you're drinking, and uh, catch you tomorrow. Just before anybody worries, I haven't got like a made, I haven't like chopped a leg (laughs) off or anything. I just, I just, I just cut my foot on a rock when I was going surfing this morning, and, and it was just getting a bit sissy, so I had to uh, yeah. had to put some put some dressings on it. <laughs> I'm so glad that we took that Walmart trip because you just never know how these things pan out. We would not want you, you in some Hawaiian hospital. Uh, yeah, with you, a had me, you had me worried when medical bill. No, you, you had me worried at cellulitis, actually. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's all it took, right? <laughs> Sweet, Rob. All right. (laughs) Enjoy your night. Thanks, Mickey. Cheerio.